Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Okay, my name is Craig. I'm a compulsive eater. I was asked to join the meeting and share my experience, strength, and hope. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm going to show you two pictures of myself from 2008. And I'm going to put them close. I know we can't share the screen, you know, because of the um, Zoom requirements for this particular meeting. So I'm trying to get it. I was a little bit chubby back then, just a little chubby. I'm maintaining a 60-pound weight loss since the beginning of 2008. I entered OA in 2006, in the fall of 2006. And this is probably a very unique reason. I'm probably the only one who came into OA for this reason. I wanted to lose weight. Yes, I wanted to lose weight. I was 60 pounds over, and my wife said, you need to lose some weight. And other people said, you need to lose some weight. So I did a little research, and I found Overeaters Anonymous. I was in OA from 2006 to the end of 2008. And where it says in the big book, half measures avail us nothing, I disagree based on my experience. Half measures for over two years availed me extra weight, extra obsession, extra compulsion, extra miserableness for two over two years. So like I said, I came into OA in the fall of 2006. I'm maintaining a 60-pound weight loss. The fall of 2008, something happened. I went to a meeting. At this point, two years later, I was really desperate, really, really desperate. So I went to a meeting, and I found out that I need a sponsor, apparently, to work this program. With my first two-plus years, I was doing it on my own. I didn't even own the big book. I went to meetings really more to be social and say I was going to meetings than for any other reason. I don't like going to the gym. I would go to the gym, and that would give me permission to eat on the way to the gym because I was going to burn off a lot of calories, of course, and I needed the energy. So I'd, work, I'd eat on the way to the gym, and after the gym, I would eat on the way home because I just burned a lot of calories. And at the gym, working out gave me permission for the exercise and gave me permission to eat whatever I wanted. So it was the same for Overeaters Anonymous meetings. For whatever psychological reason, I thought if I went to the meeting, I was doing something to listen to all my critics, so to speak. I was doing something to address my eating issues. So I was doing my part. Little did I know I wasn't really doing anything. So half measures didn't avail me anything for those first two years. The end of 2008, I realized this isn't working because I kept gaining weight and all that stuff. I don't have a lot of time to get into it. So I interviewed potential sponsors. And there were two potential sponsors in the room. I asked both the same question, which was the most important question that I thought for selecting a sponsor. I said, do you require sponsees to weigh and measure their food? Sponsor number one said, yes, you must weigh and measure your food if you want me to sponsor you. Sponsor job candidate number two said, no, you do not need to weigh and measure your food if you want me to sponsor you. 
Take a guess which sponsor I selected for the job. Rick, you guys are smart there in Los Angeles. This was the end of 2008, but something clicked. Something clicked. This was the middle of December 2008, and I told him, I said, Jim, let's start January 1st, because Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, there's no point in me missing those holidays. Let's start January. He said, no, we're starting right now. And that weekend or the weekend after, my wife and I were invited to friends in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we drove over to Albuquerque. This was a Christmas dinner this lady put together. And this is a really important event. This was the turning point in my recovery. The lady made a beautiful Christmas dinner and put this what appeared to be a loaf of bread on the table. Back then when I was just starting, I was eating bread and stuff. I took a bite of this bread and it was cake. I knew it was cake. So I had a napkin, and I leaned over, and I spit the cake into a napkin, and I didn't eat it. Do you know that was the last time I tasted dessert was the end of 2008? And the last time I had junk food also was in 2008. So I've had no dessert, no junk food, and that's how I started No Believers Anonymous. And just a footnote to that story about being invited to friends in Albuquerque, we were never invited back. Maybe it's rude to spit out a host's food. I'm not sure. It's something I need to learn. I still haven't learned that. I try not to spit it out in front of other people. So that was my very first experience becoming absent. And since that time, the irony of the whole thing is that guess what I do now with my food? And weigh and measure it. Because I had a mentoring program. Some of you may know him. He was in San Diego. He's since passed away. His name is was Gary, G-A-R-R-Y. And he said to me, Greg, this was not my sponsor, he said, Greg, buy a scale. Buy a scale, buy a scale. He was nagging me enough. So I did, I bought a scale from Amazon. And I had it in the box and I put it on the shelf. That counted as buying a scale. He never said I had to actually use it. Eventually he caught on and he said, Greg, take it out of the box. Took it out of the box. And what I realized was eight ounces, I mean, what I thought was four ounces was actually eight. What I thought was six ounces was actually 18. It's amazing how my perception of weights and measures with food was totally off. Because I swore I was only eating a small portion. And when I weighed the thing, it was like a bowling ball worth of protein for dinner. And now I weigh and measure my food. The only time I dumped up is when I go out to restaurants or I'm eating at people's homes, I don't take my scale, and I would guess that I eat more when I go out. I mean, I know I eat more when I go out than I do at home. I don't eat my non-absent foods, but I will tell you this, that I will, that I do eat more. It's just the way it is. Something I'm still working on with my sponsor to this day, to this period, am I willing to eat the same portions when we go out to eat? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Uh, so I weigh and measure my food. I write down my food in the morning. I do my 11th step in the morning on awakening during the day. We don't have time to go through all the prayers and stuff. But on awakening during the day and on retiring at night, I specifically follow instructions in the big book. That is the basis of my program. That's the bottom line of my program. That's my instruction manual for this program. 
I am very blessed to have an instruction manual, and I'm willing to follow it. I'm willing to follow my sponsor's suggestions as well. I'm willing to take directions. And I think, oh, that's such a big deal, taking directions. It's so hard. I can't take, or I can't follow instructions. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Well, you know what? I can't even change the oil in my car. I am willing to go to an auto repair place and follow their instructions. I'm willing to go to the dentist and follow their instructions. I'm willing to trust somebody else that's been through the process. I go to doctors. I go to dentists. I go to other professional people, lawyers or whatever. And they give me direction and I follow it. It's just that simple. So why shouldn't I follow someone with my life, with my eating? Just follow the directions. I just said, turn off my head. And I just do it. Because I do it someplace else. You know, if I wanted to install my cable television, if I tried to do it myself, even having an instruction book, but the instruction books for installing cable are about this thick, as you all know. If I tried to do that myself, I would never get it right. So I call someone for help. And I listen to what they have to say, which button to push on the three remote controls. So I do follow directions. Well, I want to go back to, I didn't really spend that much time on what it was like before, just so we can all relate to each other, because I know in Bill's story, half the story is what happened leading up to step one. A couple of things I'd like to point out. I thought, I have two daughters, uh, 32, uh, excuse me, 34 and 36 right now. When they were growing up, I was certain I was the world's best father. There's no question about it. I was father number one. You know why? Because I took them to playgrounds every Saturday. I did things with them. We did all sorts of events. We went here, we went there. And now when I look back, I had to make amends to them. Because you know what? What was my motivation for doing all this stuff with them? One of the biggest motivations, and this is really sad for me, was to take them to lunch during these outings. We'd go to the playground, and I would say, you know, you guys, don't you want pizza today? I know you really love pizza. You think they cared? So we would go out for pizza. Or during the week, I would say, you guys want some dessert with dinner? And they said, yeah, we'll have some dessert. Well, what they were thinking of was like one cookie. So I would get in the car, and I would drive to a nearby bakery, and I would get this huge plate of cookies. It was covered with green or red cellophane. And I would bring it back, you know why I brought it? Because they wanted dessert. A couple of other things I want to point out the way it was. I remember when my first daughter was born in the hospital, and my wife was laying there in the delivery room, Obviously. That's five minutes. Thank you. If I'm doing, doing what they do in the delivery room. And I went downstairs to the cafeteria. And I brought back a tray. And she still remembers this. I don't know why. She still remembers this. And the tray was filled with junk food, including onions. Now, I brought this into the delivery room. Why? Because what was more important to you? It was about lunch hour. Yeah, my child was being born. I have my priorities. And that's very sad. Very, very sad. I remember going to 
fast food restaurants and being alone in the fast food restaurant in the back, looking busy. I would take newspapers. I would take work. Stumping myself in fast food, and I'd look all around the different tables. There'd be people there. There'd be families there. There'd be coworkers there. They were having a good time. I would eat my stuff alone, and I would leave, and I would be crying on my way out. Why was I still doing this? Why was I eating alone in the back, hiding out, eating massive amounts of junk? The tears in my eyes when I left. I don't do that anymore. I won't do that anymore. It's too tiring to wait away. Overeaters Anonymous has given me a life. And Overeaters Anonymous gave me this instruction book. Not quite as thick as the instruction book for my cable television. But they gave me this instruction book. So what it's like today, like I said, I'm maintaining a 60-pound weight loss. The bottom line focus is 10-step really for me in my program. I call it 10-step clause. It's on page 84 of the big books. You can see how I have it highlighted. I'm going to end on this. It says, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. I think that was written for me and my wife at Gandhi. Specifically, I have to set mistakes right as I go along. That means I have to do this morning and night. That's a whole other story for for a different counsel. So the tenth step is I continue. And I did an acronym W A T C H, like the the wristwatch. W A T C H. And that's from page 84, one paragraph. I watch for when things come up. Do I have selfishness? Do I have dishonesty? Do I have any resentments? Do I have any fears? In other words, do I feel uncomfortable inside? Something going on that makes me feel uncomfortable. So that's W, that's watch. A is to ask God at once to remove them. So watch, ask. God, please remove these defects from me. Why? So that I can be more useful to other people. W-A-T, it says discuss them with someone immediately. I say tell. So tell someone. Watch, ask, tell someone immediately. W-A-T-C, correct the situation. In other words, make amends if I find them. And the last one is H. W-A-T-C-H is to help someone. Turn around. Turn my thoughts to be helpful. And the bottom line, bottom line, is love and tolerance of others. Which to me kind of sounds like shooting my constitution type of thing. I go to a lot of meetings. I go to L.A. for a fair number of meetings. I missed July 4th in the park. Two of the guys decided to cancel it. It was my chance to escape the heat in Scottsdale, and I went, you guys were not very nice to cancel it. But I go to the O.A. birthday. I'm really thrilled to be with you here this morning, or whoever is listening on the recording this afternoon or this evening. The program works. Just take it easy. Just... Follow instructions. When my sponsees give me trouble, I just say follow instructions. And a lot of them do, sometimes. Just like I do, sometimes. And thank you very much. And I know, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question, Please click the raise your hand blue icon and I'll call on you. And you can then unmute 
and ask your question. And uh, why don't we start with Mark? If you'd unmute, please, and then feel free to ask. Uh, good morning, Greg. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you for your share. Uh, my question is, is uh, when you, you said when you go out, you tend to, you might eat too much, which I guess most of us do. Uh, how is it uh, that you if se maybe separating your food? Uh, do you ever have trouble separating your food or when you say, okay, I'm going to take this home, this portion home, and then, you know, have that later? You know, versus like, oh, all of this food looks so good, I just want to consume it now. What's, uh, I'm, Maybe I'm not expressing it very, the question very well. Hopefully. You are. You are expressing it. I've been talking to my sponsor just last week about this. And that um, I usually don't take anything home. But that doesn't mean I order huge, huge meals. I try to eat the right size meal when I go to a restaurant. And I always do the research ahead of time. I'll find out what's in the food, all that type of stuff. I still have a hard time taking food home, but it doesn't mean I eat a huge, huge amount. I do more. <clears throat> do more. We've been working on Thai food. Let's punch your time. So I don't know if that addresses your question exactly, but I'm far from perfect on that. It's, it's still not easy in 2008. So I try to do it in advance by figuring out the portion sizes and, and that way. Thanks, Mark. Next person is Ainsley, A-I-N-S-L-I-E. How do you pronounce your name? It's, it's Ainsley. Ainsley. Compulsive reader. Thanks, Greg. Oh, that's right. You're not supposed to say your name because it's recorded. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, I have um, to say your name. Well, when people ask questions, it's in the dialogue of the... Anyway, don't worry about it. I don't care. Oh, sorry. But uh, the, my question is, if you could talk a little bit about um, how you sponsor. How do I sponsor? I typically sponsor the way I was originally sponsored because it works. I literally, it almost starts like a big book study. But before then, someone has to have a food plan with, um, obviously, a medical professional of some sort. And that's the most important thing to begin with. I believe that someone going out right out of the gate doesn't need to have perfect abstinence. I have started sponsoring people, and the only thing they agreed to not eat, today's a Saturday, the only thing they agreed to not eat was donuts or ice cream on the weekend. So we really start out from there. Uh, and, and that's... Really how I sponsor them, pretty much we go through the big book, go through all the steps. Then I have a daily call from the sponsor, like I call my sponsor, to check in and as things come up, we deal with them at that point. I do prefer people write down and weigh and measure their food. I'm not a food sponsor in that sense. I don't know if that, I'm not as strict as my sponsor was with me. I next I'm going to call on. I guess I'm supposed to mention names. Otherwise, how am I going to know? How you going to? Yeah, I was going to. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Marin, M-A-R-I-N. Hi, Marin. Uh, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. 
Thank mm-hmm. you for your share. I got a lot out of it. And um, I'm just wondering if ever in your time of abstinence you gained weight? And if so, what was that like for you? What did you have to do? Or if have not, I ever, maybe you never have I ever, did. Have I ever gained weight during absence? Well, I'm maintaining about 60-pound weight loss. I'm at a very healthy body weight. I'm 64. And I'm probably, knock on wood, in the, the best health I've been, at least one day at a time. I really haven't gained weight, other than something about a pound or two type of thing. But it's really been about the same range. So I, I can't really address that question. Okay, thank you. Marina? You have your hand raised? I just Hi, everybody. Hi, Greg. Um, my name is Marina, a compulsive overeater and a recovered sugar addict. And I just loved your share. That was very good, Greg. And I really liked your watch, your acronym of watch. A question to you is on the 10th step, um, it's continual, okay, so every day. What is, how do you do your, t- do you uh, mail, email it to your sponsor? Do you call your sponsor? Um, and also do you do the, not just like, you know, have I been dishonest, have I been, you know, the negative. Do you also do one on positive things that have happened throughout the day? Could you uh, talk on that, please? How do I actually implement the 10th step yeah. during the course of the day? I don't call people with the positive stuff, because that's not the stuff that gets me into trouble. Mm-hmm. I can share that plenty. I have no problem sharing positive stuff. When people call me and say, how are you doing? Bro? Okay. I always start with okay. When it says we discuss them with someone immediately, obviously when the book was written, there was no email or texting. I used to talk. That way I can get feedback. I always ask for feedback. Any thoughts also. Actually, the thoughts I get back are so much more valuable. So I'll pick up the phone. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. Lillian? Hi. Uh, Hello. Hi. When you send in your food to your sponsor every day, do you ever get comments back like, oh, no, what are you thinking? Are you sure? Anything at all, any critique or suggestions about what's in your food plan for the day? When I send in my food plan to my sponsor, I do not. I write it down in the morning. My breakfast and lunch are the same 99.9% of the time for years. Some people think that's boring, but I don't. My dinner is weighed and measured at home. I, If I'm having a problem with food, I will just discuss it. I will simply discuss it. That's really all. I do not send in my food to my sponsor. And this is just, this is my program. As I said, I've been maintaining my weight. And um, that's all I do. Does that help you answer your question? Okay. Thanks. Annie? Hi, Annie. Um, a compulsive overeater. Thank you very Annie. much for Thank you for your share. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know that you told the story about how you first, like, spit the cake out. Um, how did you maintain that, or do you have some strategies on how you maintain being able to not have sweets and desserts when you were, like, in social settings all these years? How did you do that? 
I don't know the answer to a lot of these questions. I really don't know. Why? It's one of those things where, and I've lived on this earth every single night, seven days a week. My dream vacation was a lot. We live in Phoenix. We could drive to Las Vegas. My dream vacation was Las Vegas. Unlimited dessert. Why I didn't have dessert after that? When I think back, I don't, I don't really know. It's been the same with my food since then. Once I make that decision, it gets eliminated from me. Once I make that decision to stop eating that food, the surrender decision, not that I shouldn't eat dessert. I really shouldn't eat dessert. But it's just, I can't explain it. I really can't. That's why I suggest to people when they sponsor them is don't just say, I'm not going to have dessert anymore. I say, let's figure out one item to not have this weekend. What's your favorite thing on a Saturday? Chocolate chip ice cream. What's it? Can you not have chocolate chip ice cream on Saturday? And that's a way to build the confidence. And realize, hey, wait a minute, I can do this. That's my best answer for you. Thanks, Amy. Ellie? Hi. Hi, Thanks, Good to see you again. Um, I have actually two questions, one based on what you just said, and that is, what is your concept of a higher power and how it works in your life? I love that question, Ellie. I used to struggle a lot with that, spend a lot of time. What's my concept of my higher power? What's my definition? What's my job description? And I realized, wait a minute, I have it backwards. I have no concept of my higher power. I have no idea. I'm Greg in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm trying to figure out a concept for this thing, however you want to define it, that encompasses the entire universe. Where do I get the nerve to do that? I turn it around. Wait a minute. My higher power has to have a concept of me. should have a definition of me. should have a job employment description of me. Not the other way around. So I have stopped wasting time on any kind of understanding of my higher power. There's only two things I know, is that there is one and it's not me. Other than that, I know absolutely nothing about my higher power. I pray to my higher power, I meditate, but it's whoever that higher power is, one of my sponsors used to say, Goddess. Actually, Goddess first, better than God anyway, for those guys out there. Try Goddess for a change. I said, okay. You define me. Tell me what to do. Not the other way around. Does that help, Ellie? Does that answer your question? Uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> because in the big book, you know, when Evan's sitting with Bill, said, why don't you choose your own concept? Not that to know God, but what do you conceive of? Mm. So that's a different issue. My second question is, what do you do on a daily basis? Well, that's a little tough to answer in such a short period of time, but really what I do is I follow the instructions in the big book. I've got lots of meditations, lots of prayers. Uh, a sponsor, Bernie, 
who was a longtime member of Overeem Songs. In fact, he chaired him and his wife chaired him in L.A. birthday one time. He passed away early this year and he gave me a lot of prayers that he says, prayers and meditations that he said. So I follow that. I write down my food in the morning. I read for today and Voices of Recovery. In the evening, it probably takes me about 45 minutes of stuff, prayer, meditation, writing, reading, chanting, spiritual type of meditation, those kinds of things. So I spend a lot of time. I'm happy to talk to you separately so we have a little bit more time. Feel free to write down my phone number, Ellie, and I'd love to, I'd love to chat and find out what you do so that I can improve my, my practice. I always need to improve it. So really, give me a call. I don't see your phone number. But I'd love to speak to you seriously. Uh, Terrell? Hey, Greg. Um, Terrell? Greg, how's the psychic change that we experience in this program? What would you say is one of, your, one of the greatest psychic change you've experienced through this program? You've got five more minutes. Okay. Well, one psych, I've experienced two psychic changes. One, my wife is always right. <laughs> So that's the first cycle change. And the second one is that the actual program works. And that was a change. And what I mean by that is the distinction for me, and this is a great essay about compliance versus surrender. Some of you may have read it by Henry Taibo, something like that. He was a long-time AA trustee, I believe. You can look this up. The difference between surrender and compliance, that is a psychic change for me. Complying with Overeaters Anonymous, rules, regulations, versus surrendering to it. That was my psychic change. Now, I'm not sure which is the most important. I think because agreeing my wife is always right, or that's a good psychic change. And frankly, maybe they're the same thing. <laughs> I think surrender versus compliance. But yeah, that's for my counsel. Separation. Um, Jackie? Hi, Greg. Uh, thanks for your share, and I loved your answer about your higher power. That was, that was great. Um, my question is about um, just on a daily basis, once in a while, uh, if you get tempted at a, at a meal and and you don't feel like you're going to have enough food, enough quantity, how do you deal with that in that particular moment so that you don't eat more than you really need? Thank you. How do I handle when I'm tempted and want more? Well, the first thing I do is to weigh and measure my food. And it's on one plate. And I've, I've been trained now that that should be enough. And I eat a lot of food. I do. I'm also very active. Yoga, hiking, walking. So I've been maintaining this body weight for, as I said, a long, a long time. And um, so I really can't answer that question. I know, though, that if I, if I get those feelings and thoughts, I've got to think about that and go back. Okay, maybe I don't have enough in my food. Maybe I didn't eat enough snacks, because I'll have... A snack in the afternoon, sometimes a snack in the morning, like food. And then in the afternoon, I'll have a uh, one of these 100-calorie yogurts that you get in the store. And what I do, which is my greatest food invention ever, is I freeze those little yogurts. 
Because if they're not frozen, I could eat them in about 15 seconds. They just take a spoon and done. If I freeze them, it takes me 10 or 15 minutes. And it's fantastic. So, uh, I just make sure that I have enough to begin with. So I don't go into a meal wanting enough. I don't know if that makes any conceptual sense. In other words, not restrict or deprive myself of lunch or at breakfast. Why am I always wanting more at dinner when I'm sitting at my table? Now again, I still have issues with restaurants, but we only go out to eat once a week and I eat healthy food, I'm vegetarian and stuff, so it's not that terribly a big deal. That's what I try to do. Still learning. Still have a lot to learn. A lot to learn.